Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. This week on Exploring Missions, I think you will be blessed. We're going to have a, a guest that's been with us before, and we're so excited always to have her back. And then we've got a new guest that's with us that hasn't been, but we've wanted him for a good long time. So, Nathan, uh, we're covering both new and old. That, and we can be the in-between. We're the in-between. But when we say old, we don't mean old in age, but one that's been with us before. And uh, the ministry that we're talking about is First Stone Ministries. What a great, great group of people that is. And our guest is Stephen Black and Laura Perry. Welcome, guys. Thank you. We are glad to have them, aren't we, Nathan? Absolutely. Thank you for being here. Thank and, you so much for having us. And let's let's go and start. They're connected with AFA in real time. Uh, if you've heard of the the documentary in His Image, you've and watched it. You've met them at least on the screen. Both of them share what God has done for them in the area of deliverance and. Uh, on Exploring the Word, the other program that I do, and Exploring Missions. We're always talking about deliverance because God is the great deliverer. Amen. And uh, I, that's what we want to do today. As much as anything today, we want to give hope, Nathan. Yeah, absolutely. God, um, you know, is he's the deliverer. Uh, he is the one who is on um, on mission. He's the ultimate missionary, and he's rescuing, you know, his people. Uh, from whatever pit that they have found themselves in. Um, there's different, you know, there's pits with different labels on it, uh, but it's a pit and it's not a place you want to end up and you want to find yourself. Uh, but that's where God goes and rescues each of us. He does. And not, let's first tell us about First Stone Ministries. What is it, Stephen? Well, it's a pastoral care support group and counseling uh, discipleship ministry. And we also offer um, resources, literature, conferences, teaching, and instruction on people overcoming uh, relational and sexual sin, brokenness. Um, it was founded uh, in 1976 with a mom and dad uh, coming to the church um, asking for help for their son. And uh, they basically were getting, um, you know, He's an abomination, and he was a gay gay man. And uh, back in those days, it, that was rough. Um, and uh, so uh, as a part of a, a network of ministries uh, that started in the 70s as a result of the Jesus People movement, and a lot of people coming out of homosexuality, First Stone was one of the founding ministries of Exodus International, which unfortunately has defunct under the leadership of Alan Chambers, gone in, they went into antinomianism, hypergrace, and promoting gay Christianity. Well, First Stone uh, has been around this entire time, very solidly, biblically orthodox to offer hope and healing for people that really want it. 
And uh, as a result of that, when the uh, the really the sad situation uh, that took place uh, about 10 years ago, uh, First Stone is one of the only ministries that has ever conducted a survey that shows with 25 years of client folders that those who really gave at least one year of their life to pastoral care and counseling and support group came out on the other side living a life free free from any kind of LGBTQ labels. And so that's what we do. We offer the hope of the gospel that Jesus Christ can come in and transform lives. Amen. Nathan, when I hear this, I... <laughs> I hurt for those that are caught in that lifestyle. I hurt for the families of those that, as pastor, I think I dealt with the families more than I did the individual. Uh, the individuals always, they would honestly, pastor, no, they stay away, you know. But the families come, and they, and I, I'm always glad, first stone, other play, men and counselors that I've recommended to give them hope. Because I found out the hopelessness that's in the family sometimes. And Laura, your mom would not give up hope on you, would she? Right. <laughs> you know, and there were times like the, the enemy would say, um, Francine, you just need to uh, give up. You need to get over this. She is always going to be this way. But the enemy's a liar, you know, and, and God just <laughs> kept her, you know, faithful to pray. And she had others surrounding her that were praying with her, the ladies in the Bible study. Um, they were going to a couple's Bible study and just the church. And so they had a lot of people around them encouraging them to pray. But I, I'm sure there were moments of doubt, you know, but they didn't give up. Yeah, yeah you mentioned um, how how the enemy is is a liar um, and you know, a lot of uh, a lot of us. I mean, all of us hear messages that are not true. Uh, sometimes they're directed at us. Sometimes they're directed, um, especially seem seemingly at younger generations. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, messages of identity and sexuality and confusion. Um, and you know, the message that is just um, just bombarding our society. Um, and you guys, um, you know, have you've heard those messages, you've heard those lies, um, but you've also heard the truth. Um, I don't know. Ex maybe share a little bit about for your own in your own story in your own uh, lives how those messages uh, were received. Uh, you you interpreted those. You uh, what what did the, what did the lies do to you? And then what did the truth do to you? Well, the lie made me think during the 70s that, you know, I'm an old guy and been walking with Jesus now for almost 40 years. But in the 70s was you're born this way as well. And so that lie has been perpetrated. And it was 50 years ago almost that the uh, the diagnostic standard manual, the, the DSM, the idea that homosexuality needed to be removed from a, a neurosis from the APA. And so our culture has lived under that. So I lived under that as well. And then living as a gay man for eight years, I believed that lie uh, until um, I had this radical experience with eternity, heaven and hell. And that is with the death of my brother. And then for a year and a half, I cried out to the Lord. And with this death and being faced with my Catholicism, the idea of heaven and hell, there has to be something more. 
and I didn't even know it meant coming out of homosexuality, but I, I did eventually uh, have this radical transformation with an encounter with Jesus Christ speaking to me, and not even in the church. It was with a family that was completely enveloped with the love of Jesus in their home. And because of that, I heard the voice of the Lord, and he said to me that night as my heart was pounding, um, you're going to die if you don't accept me tonight. And all I knew is I needed to know Jesus like these people knew Jesus. And it was at that moment of choosing Jesus and his love and 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 understanding that there was more that actually I went home and the flipped open the Bible and literally fell to Leviticus 18, uh, where it says, man shall not lie with mankind as with a woman, because my parents' priest had been telling me all along it was okay to be gay. And so the lie was confronted with the Word of God. The lie was confronted with the law of God. But then the lie was confronted with the confirmation over and over and over the truth of being created in His image as male by the men in the church loving me and teaching me and discipling me. And uh, and so I had this radical transformative experience with Jesus, and I've never been the same since. Amen. Amen. That story resonates and with those that people who have loved ones that send a lifestyle that is destructive and they hear you it gives hope because that is exactly what took place and we've got many many people uh that are praying that their child their loved one will come to that realization and not believe the lie and believe truth well the history for me was there were literally after i got saved I found out there were hundreds of people praying for my uh. salvation. And everyone in the engineering department that were believers, I was studying to be an architect and I was in a drafting engineering department, they were all praying for my salvation. Amen. I just got to tell this story. My wife's uh, father uh, was lost. And I won't go into all the details, but he had an aunt uh, that prayed for him and just kept on. His mother prayed for him. She had died. But uh, he came to know Christ later on in his life. I got to baptize him. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were went to a meeting, and his cousin was there. And uh, they were asking testimonies, and we talked about Jan's dad, which would be Nathan's granddad being, coming to know Christ and being baptized. And his cousin came up to Jan, my wife, and said, my mom, which is your dad's aunt, prayed for your dad for over 50 years. Before she died, she prayed. The last prayer she prayed was for your dad to be saved. Mm. 50 years. And, uh, you know, those who are listening to us today and your own mission, I want to tell you, prayer is a mission from God, Nathan. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that prayer of of God's people uh, directed in a in a similar place, you know, all just pointed at, at a at someone who needs that deliverance, uh, and then you know, Stephen, you know, your your story was that God's tr- you were confronted with God's truth, but it was wrapped in the love of of a community and, and a family and people. Um, man, I mean, that's how that's how that deliverance can come. Yeah. Laura, you have a similar story, right? Yeah, you know, and I. The the life for me when I was a little kid was that I wasn't really like the other girls. And there were a lot of things that led me to those lies. I, I really didn't 
I, I really begin to believe that my mom didn't love me because I didn't have the same relationship with her that my brother did. I look back now and I understand that my mom loved me. She had a lot of brokenness in her own life. I don't think she knew how to have that relationship. Um, you know, but I believed that I wasn't like the other girls because I, uh, because of that awkwardness, because I didn't know how to relate to them. Cause I was spending all my time with my dad and the enemy reinforces that over the years, you know, and it was like everything got put through that filter that I already believed and just reinforced that lie more and more. Um, and then, but over the years, and I didn't want anything to do with God. I was so angry with God. I told him I'd never serve him again. Didn't want anything to do with Christians, nothing to do with the church. But God was pursuing me anyway. And I look back and, you know, it's like, you know, he's pursuing this person that doesn't want to be pursued. And yet, I know it was the prayers of my parents, of my family, of so many other people in the church. And I look back, there were so many times God encountered me, things he would speak over the radio. Um, I would have dreams all the time. And so I, he just began to reveal himself to me. And I think one of the, the biggest differences for me was, you know, I, I was already aware uh, that I was a sinner. I was aware, um, you know, of all the sexual sin. All the, I knew I was living in, a, uh, in sin and being in trans and all the sexual sin. But God began to reveal himself to me. That's what made the difference. It was like, you know, there's a verse that said, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And God began to show me that he was trustworthy, that he was faithful, that he was good. And I remember I, after I came out of the lifestyle, I read the book of Hosea, and I wept and wept through that book because I realized I was Gomer. And God pursued me when I didn't even want to be pursued, and yet because he is so good. Yeah. yeah. Nathan, when I hear Laura's story, and I've heard it, I tears come to my eyes because the goodness of the Lord pursuing us. He is he. Someone called him the Hound of Heaven, you know. Amen. And uh, when he's on your trail, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it, true. It, it is. He's on your trail. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, the ministry itself. Sure. First on, and I know we ask you to tell about about it, but go into deep and how can people. Uh, help! How can First Stone help people? Do they have to get online? Do they call? What? What is? How does it work? Well, the best way, of course, would be to go to firststone.org. It's our website. There's a contact form there, and then that makes initiation. Unfortunately, Bert, the day that we live, we have a lot of bad email, a lot of you know, not kind things coming our way. So we have the contact form. Then that gets them connected with us, and then we can get their information into our contact. Uh, also the phone, you know, 405-236-HOPE. 236-4673 is 236-HOPE. Area code 405. They can call us. And uh, in calling, um, we can, you know, assess what their particular needs might be certainly to pray with them and pray for people and pray about situations that are going on i love that we were talking about prayer because ian bounds the prophet of prayer he had three kids right and none of them come to know the lord until after but he claimed for their salvation he claimed their souls and I tell parents every time they hold their child, their child is in their arms, or if it's you know a, a situation when they're you know out away from the family, is to claim their soul. We need to be claiming souls for the glory of Jesus, and we do that in prayer. But we have a 
a ton of resources on our website, hundreds of articles that address all areas of sexual sin and brokenness. We have other documentaries and other um, uh, people on our staff that are equipped to help people receive uh, necessary processing of counseling or their particular situations, um, especially in dealing with things like, you know, AFA did some of the uh, extra bonus features like how to address the gay wedding gay wedding issue or how to address when my child has come out you know what what do you say what do you do and what not to do and those are just as important you know what not to do and so a lot of questions that people have and then of course going back to what does the word of god say uh, because it's one thing for us to have an opinion about something. It's another thing when we actually look at what the scriptures say. And so very important to point people back to the word of God and to truth. By the way, uh, both Stephen and Laura is in the documentary in his image. And if you've never heard of that, we want to tell you about it. And you can look at it and go. you can go to afastore.net and uh, you can find out the information there. And I want to just tell you. Uh, it's it. The first time I saw it, I said, I've never seen truth presented so powerfully and courageously and lovingly. That's that, right. The they, AFS they, team. They did that. Didn't they, they? they did. They did an amazing job, not because we're in it, but the level of communication of the truth spoken in love boldly without compromise they hit it right on. It was right the bullseye of the And I, I say, Lord, let me preach that way. Amen. Uh, you know, with compassion and passion, courageously, uh, that's that's what we need. And, Laura, I, I, I want to make sure and get this in. Okay. You've been a Perry for how long? <laughs> well, well, I'm 39. So. Uh, oh, I shouldn't have said that. That's a bad way to put it. <laughs> that's okay. But you're not going to remain that way. No. Nope. No. Nope. Well, tell uh, us what's happening. Well, in uh, in two months, I am getting married. <laughs> so, she told yeah. me, first thing I saw her when I saw her today, that was the second thing she told me, <laughs> yeah. Stephen. Well, I'm kind of excited. It, I mean, it, what a story, right? Yeah. Uh, you've yeah. got a, a female to male transgender, reclaims her femininity, and in the goodness of God, in the repentance, is now granting her a covenant partner. And quite a man of God... Um, and just her story and everything that's going on with her is amazing. Well, I don't know what she's getting. I'm glad you told me he was a man of God, but I know what he is, <laughs> this, this, this precious woman that God has raised up for such a time as this. Nathan, I feel like God has raised these two people yeah. and some others that I know yeah. for such a time as Amen. this. It's, it's yeah. perfect, isn't it? I mean, it's a time of confusion for a lot of people. And you know what they need? They need the truth. But, you know, straight truth without love, it's, it's not going to be received. Um, and so you guys, we were talking about the, the documentary in his image, but that probably just flows right out of, of you guys' lives. And, um, and, and, it, and it should be what, you know, the, uh, a, um, a picture of the church on mission mm, is amen. speaking truth, but doing it in, in a loving way. And, um, I mean, you guys just embody that. And well, thank you. how have... How have you seen this message of truth and deliverance and, um, you know, that God has made each person in his image and whatever confusion they're going through, whatever lifestyle they have uh, have been a part of, how have you seen that 
message received by those that are hurting and confused and, and struggling? I think we've seen a variety of responses. It just really depends. But, you know, I, I really want to encourage people. You never know, like at the time, I really didn't want to hear this message. You know, I, I didn't want to hear that um, God wanted something different for me. I thought I was happy. You know, it was better than the pain I had been experiencing before because I was there was so much wounding and I hated being a female. I felt like I didn't have any self-worth as a female. I felt like I didn't have any value. I'd been so abused and mistreated by men. And, uh, you know, but it was like, over the years, as God has healed me and he's just stripped all that away and he's brought so much healing, I'm like, now I'm so thankful for those seeds that were planted, those things that were spoken over me, that, um, because God had so much more for me than I had ever even conceived of. It reminds me of the, one of the verse the Lord has had in my heart lately is Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 that says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine, you know, to him be the glory. It's like there is, I, I'm just, I'm honestly blown away at what God has done. And that's for people that are struggling. Sometimes it's so hard to see what God is offering and to understand it. But that's why we walk by faith. But God has something so much more for you. Stephen? You said something earlier about that time of crisis, mm -hmm. your brother dying. Let's talk about a crisis of faith. You know, a crisis of faith is going to come to everyone. They, your faith will be checked out if it's real or not. But when that crisis came into your life, did it cause you to examine where you were, what you were doing in your eternity? Absolutely. And what's interesting about my story uh, from childhood on, I've had the issue of heaven and hell as a part of something God has used in my life to actually boldly tell me the truth. So when Chris's death happened to bring me into uh, the crisis of surrender to Christ, honestly, Bert, the, the thing that was the most difficult for me happened 10 years ago. I'd been beaten. I'd been raped. I had been, you know, all hor horrible things growing up, molested several times. And so when I came to Christ, um, that was layers and layers of healing. But on the day I took a national stand with Exodus International as the ministry council, my daughter died the next day. That was the worst crisis I have ever experienced in my life. And because of that, there was, even in this last 10 years, has been a crushing, the dark night of my soul, to bring even the formation that we would do this documentary, the book that I did, the, the survey that shows that more than 70% of the people find lasting freedom because, you know, they're saying 99.9% .9 don't change. Well, I think a lot of times crisis of faith happen in the middle of something that the Lord wants to do the next level, especially in leadership, right? So he called me to lead this ministry and to help others, to help people like Laura Beth and to help many to find a lasting freedom. And so, you know, it always, when you look at leadership in church history, it always parallels crisis. And so the Lord is looking for people who are going to be faithful to the end. For such a time as for such a time as this is real, Nathan. Uh, I mean, here here it is. Esther came to the kingdom, and it was a crisis of faith. Honestly, are you going to identify with who you are? Are you going to deny who you are? I mean, God called you. You were female. Right. That crisis had right. to happen. You were to follow Christ. 
and no be what. who God created he, even in the crisis time. So the crisis of faith can be good. It always doesn't have to be bad, does it? That's right. Yeah, and, and one of the good results that, that follows uh, God's people when they go through these crises of faith um, is it shapes uh, more like uh, it sharpens the, uh, the, the blade of, of, of our lives where we can, uh, when our mission will be more effective. And it'll maybe be more pinpointed to where he really wants us to um, to focus our energy and our and our effort. Um, the message will get clearer as we communicate it. Um, our lives will be uh, a, a greater display of God's glory. Um, and I, I see that's what what he's been doing in, in 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 your lives. I mean, it's evident to me as I as I sit here and and talk to you. Um, but then you think, well, what's what's ahead? Is there another crisis? Is there um, is there um, an, another I sharpening? I can answer that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a formation. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Always. Um, so what, what, when, when followers of Jesus, just in general, are going through that moment, uh, what are some crucial things that need to be in place? Maybe you've experienced them um, that need to be in place to, to get us through that so we can be obedient and we can go through to the other side with a greater faith and a, and a stronger faith and a, a more passionate uh, for, our, for our mission that God's given us? Well, there's St. John of the Cross, the dark night of the soul that comes with the crushing of the soul, realizing that the end result always in God's economy is to be more like Jesus mm -hmm. and holding on to that and believing. And of course, my life with all this death marked with eternity. Eternity is at stake. And um, our lives are but a vapor. And what are we living for? Are we living for fame, fortune, name, money, you know, whatever, even in ministry. Yeah. But if we're living for him and living for eternity and you have your eyes on him, you can get through whatever crisis you're going through. Yeah. I cannot think of a greater crisis than a child's death. Yeah, it's pretty rough. I tell you, it was the roughest thing I've gone through. Did you have a support group, people praying for you? You I found did. out, you know, you were talking about when you got saved, you had all these people praying for you. What was really rough is to have also Christian leaders turn on you, like the Exodus leaders. You know, that was really hard. And, uh, and then to be called a man of strife because I was standing for the Word of God. And uh, in the middle of that, with Charity's death, it, it really was an anguish that you can't explain unless you've gone through the death of a child. But in the middle of that, having other people that would allow you to do something that Jesus said, and the Beatitudes are, blessed are they that mourn. There's Grief is your, is your state, right? But mourning is when you're allowed to deal with the pain of your soul and get it out and receive prayer and support. So important in the middle of, especially when you're dealing with something like that. And on a day like that, right, you take a national stand and then it's like, God, what are you doing? You know, the carpet gets pulled out from underneath you. Well, that's but like he's faithful. Yeah. You have these issues that happen and they give them a number. And when you went through that, it was three 100s, mm -hmm. not just one 100, the difficulty. Nathan, it's been great to have Laura and, and Stephen with us today. Absolutely. It? It's been great. Tell us one more time how folks can connect with you guys online. Firststone.org. Right. Like him who is without sin, cast the first stone is our website and 405-236-HOPE. 
Wonderful. Thank you guys for being with us today. And congratulations, Laura. Thank you. Okay. You've been listening to Exploring Missions, and we pray that you will stay on mission for God as He leads you in His paths of righteousness.